If you've been listening to my show, you know that the importer on the back of the bottle is one of the surest ways to guarantee a quality bottle of wine. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Taub Family Selections. Taub Family Selections is a dynamic, fourth-generation, family-owned wine import company with a truly incredible portfolio of fine wines from 11 countries. These wines not only embody the unique terroir in which they are produced, but the passion and integrity of each family member involved from vineyard to table. Notable estates include Mastro Berardino, Bertani, Travellini, Ferrari, Coldorcia, Trimbach, Jean-Luc Colombo, Jean-Michel Jarin, among many other renowned producers. They also have from Bordeaux, Lafitte Rothschild from the left bank, and on the right bank, they have Chateau Lafleur. I'm telling you, these guys have it all. To find out even more, go to TaubFamilySelections.com. That's T-A-U-B, FamilySelections.com. The Napa Valley Wine Academy understands that wine can be complex. However, they believe that wine education shouldn't be. Whether you're looking to advance your career in wine or just be more confident when opening a restaurant's wine list, the Napa Valley Wine Academy offers the instruction and support you need to achieve your wine education goals. With the Napa Valley Wine Academy, you are in expert hands. They have received three global awards for excellence, have 18 expert instructors on staff, 35 course options, and have served over 25,000 students. If you want to learn in a hands-on immersive wine experience, go to NapaValleyWineAcademy.com to learn more. Do you know about Grapes the Wine Company? Grapes is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. They offer a remarkable selection of wines and spirits. The breadth and depth of their inventory is astounding. Add in an unparalleled level of expertise and customer service, and you could see why other retailers are green with envy. Through their extensive and ever-growing network of relationships from around the world, Grapes, the wine company, offers the opportunity to discover the newest and most exciting wines and revisit the classics from both established and emerging wine regions. Grapes features a selection of over 4,000 wines and spirits. The Wall Street Journal has called Grapes one of the most influential retailers in the U.S., and it rings true to this day. Wine is a joyful thing, and Grapes the Wine Company exists to connect people with the choices bottles. Ordering is super simple using their easy-to-navigate website, or go old school and call to speak with one of their wine consultants for an in-depth feedback for your wine and spirits needs. Call them at 914-397-9463, that's 914-397-WINE, or email your general inquiries to info at grapesthewineco.com. That's info at grapes, T-H-E-W-I-N-E-C-O.com. You'll be glad you did. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Experience. 
Hey, everybody, what's up? It is your boy, MJ, and welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is Alma Rosa's winemaker, Samra Morris. Samra was born in Bosnia and is the first woman from Bosnia to make wines in California. Samra completed a viticultural internship at St. Supri during the 2014 harvest, as well as working with Rivers Brown's Mending Wall for three harvests. She formerly served as quality control manager for Free Flow Wines. Say that fast three times. <laughs> uh, she was recruited by general manager Deborah Ingle to join Alma Rosa as an assistant winemaker in 2018. And within less than a year, she was promoted to winemaker. At Alma Rosa, she has a focus on Burgundian and Rhone varietals. Welcome, Samra. Thank you for having me in your studio. You're welcome. Anything else you'd like to add to your already illustrious uh career that I missed? I think, yeah, just uh, I studied at University of Sarajevo's food sciences. I okay. got my bachelor's and master's, and oh. that's what my love for wine came from. Oh, now you just run the whole podcast. It's over. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I kid, I kid. That's awesome. Um, tell us about the wines you brought this evening. So I have four different wines tonight that we're going to taste. So we're going to start with our uh, Santa Rita Hills 2020 Chardonnay, and then we're going to go with our 2020 Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir, and then we're going to go with our vineyard designated wine, uh, Ranchola Vigna 2019. And the last wine will be our Barrel Select 2019. So all of these wines that I brought into studio today are new release. Oh, my God. She came in hot. I've had, I actually had a winemaker come in last week with no wine, which I was like, dude, wait. <laughs> I'm like, you have listened to the podcast. <laughs> but I love it when you come in with, like, you know, only person. Uh, we had one. Uh, we had Lorenzo Scavino who's of the Scavino family, and they make Barolo and Barbaresco. Mm -hmm. He was tasting, he had a whole case of wine, but I only pulled four. It was just too much. I don't want people to think we just drink on the show. So, um, all right, Samra, thank you for being here. Glad we got this time. So we like to start at the beginning. So okay. you were born in Bosnia. Yes. Right? So what was it like growing up in Bosnia? Well, uh, it was fun before the war, <laughs> but the war started when I was six years old. Mm. And uh, I'm from Sarajevo, so Sarajevo was uh, sur surrounded and was the, has the longest sea. It's the longest siege sur um, city in the modern history. It was uh, under the siege for more than four years. <laughs> and uh, what that means is like they've been shooting every day. And we lived without water, uh, electricity, uh, heating, and um, every day. And went to uh, school in the basements and tried to survive. And then after war, we needed to recover and everything, and that would be it. <laughs> yeah. So tell people, a lot of people um, probably don't know the history. So so you were in Syria. So what, what was the cause of the war in Bosnia? What was it about? Um, they, so Serbians tried to exterminate Muslims. Okay. We were the, one of the few Muslims in Europe back then in the 90s, and they just tried to exterminate So us. it was genocide, basically. Yes. Yeah, genocide happened at the end of the war uh, in Srebrenica, where they killed more than 8,000 men uh, in three days. And mm. half of my family, including my uncle, as well. Mm. Yeah, this is amazing that um, that this, we don't, we forget, this This was 1990, when was this? 92 war 92, started. yeah. Like this, I, I was out of college. Like, these are modern wars. I mean, people think... Yes. Like... We have had peace for a while. It's just kind of terrifying. And you said you went to um, when you said you went to school in cellars. Kind of 
got like this Anne Frank thing going, just like you're just underground yes. trying to live your life. Yes, pretty much every day and try to survive and see your family being shot or wounded every day. It's something that you see as a kid. Like it's a normal day, part of your day. That's tragic. That's tragic. Well, um, glad you're here and you made Me it. Me too. And, yeah, I'm glad I made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah not amazing. a lot of people made it in a war. I'm one of the few lucky ones. And yeah, uh, more than 14, around 14,000 people died in Sarajevo, including 1,600 kids, mm. which is very unfortunate. So I'm super lucky to be here today yeah. in New York. I'm super lucky to make wines in Santa Barbara. So. I never complain. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it puts things in perspective. And, yes. and, and thank you for sharing that all with all that with us, um, just to have that background. Um, so you did mention that um, like you have a degree in food science, but you, uh, your love of food and science came from your father. What did your father do for a living? So I think uh, my father was a prof- uh, he's a, a studied agriculture, but uh, yeah, my parents, uh, you know, always have some wine and um, just, uh, I think, just like uh, my mom is accounting and an accountant, yeah. so I never mm-hmm. loved n- numbers too much. So I think <laughs> I went more on my father's <laughs> side, like more agriculture, and it was fun for me. And then when it starts to be for me to decide what I want to study, I was just like a 19. I, it's like, oh, what I want to do with my life. And my parents suggested to do food sciences. And then um, I started studying it and fall in love with it. And that's where the love for the winemaking started with the chemistry and I like the chemistry and I was like okay I want to be one day winemaker I don't know how I'm city girl and (laughs) (laughs) there's no winemaking in cities so um I mean yeah probably not in Europe but like over here you know as you know because you're in Santa Barbara I mean funk zone people uh do that but let's uh talk about you said your parents did have wine on the table so um where was the bulk of where? What type of wines were they? Local wines that they were drinking when you were growing yeah, up. Yeah, mostly local wines. So we have a tradition of over two thousand years of winemaking. Southern part of our country is a wine region. We have our own varietals. So what made me like fall in love with Santa Barbara is that the varietal that we make back back at home is very similar to our Chardonnay that we're tasting today. It has that beautiful minerality, and. Uh, yeah, they would just drink, and I don't think like I fall in love with the winemaking because I drink good wines. Because mm-hmm. I was like only twenty, I, it's not like a time that you drink. Oh, I have this expensive bottle that I enjoy. So right. I just fall in love with the chemistry when I was studying it, and mm-hmm. it was like, oh, it's the aging process. It's you know, you have to look at the sugar, you have to look at the acid. You, there's so many different compounds that you have to look to create something. So that's what made me fall in love in winemaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you were talking about all that goes into it, I'm just going to go down this rabbit hole right now. <laughs> Natural wine, your thoughts. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's nice that people make it. <laughs> that's a... <laughs> it's a very diplomatic that's, answer. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, it is, it's. It, I mean, I think, I like, like. Let's let's go down this rabbit hole. These are not quote unquote natural wines, but I they're 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 not like over processed, over sulfured wines, correct? Right? No, not at all. Yeah. So uh, we try 
what I try to achieve with my wines is to have as less as uh, impact in a cellar mm-hmm. um, and to to my wines. So most of all of my Pinots, my Chardonnay unf- is unfiltered and unfined, uh, very low sulfur levels, and uh, yeah, it's really like uh, what uh, soils give us, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's go back to University of Sarajevo. Um, <clears throat> what was uh, what was that? What was that like? I mean, that, I'm just blown away. Like they have agriculture. So you were living in the city, but they have agriculture taught at the college. How far were like the farms away from the city and all that stuff? Uh, we, they had a farm, so I was like food sciences. So yep. all the labs were part of our college, but uh, outside of city, they have a far, little farms, but. It's not like a college when I study like it is, you have opportunities here. This mm-hmm. is still after war situation. So there was a lot of development and we didn't have like a nice equipment or anything during studies. So like I see now, like a lot of students from my college have a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, opportunity to learn on site than what, what I had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and initially... Um, you were you were pursuing uh, beer brewing. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a beer a, uh, a brewmeister. I wanted to make beer in my bachelor's, so I was like uh, <laughs> loving it. And then at the end of my bachelor's, I did a internship in Sarajevo Brewery, and I just didn't, couldn't stand the smell of beer anymore. <laughs> it was like super strong, and for some reason, every time when I was going to brewery, it's like make me like oh I don't like make this. You, like, gag. Yeah, gag, <laughs> and it's like. You sit at the table, I used to like drink beer, but it's like, oh, no, I don't like this. <laughs> so, yeah, once when I st- went to my master's, I started kind of learning more from a professor of phenology and, like, getting more serious. So I, that's where I found my love for the wine. Okay. Well, when I lived in I, – I, we were talking before we started. I lived in California and Santa Barbara specifically, and that was the only wine country I've ever lived in um, – but they always used to say it takes a lot of good beer to make a great wine. Do, do you, Still does. Do you, do, you, do you subscribe to that? Have you gotten over the gag reflex? And yes, <laughs> yes, we. Yeah, that's very still true. I think to today's date that um, a lot of times during harvest you have a beer at the end of the day when everything is cleaning. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. And then also it's like a palate cleanser. Like if you're tasting barrel after barrel, like you're like. You know, like you get palate fatigue, you just want something just crisp. <laughs> yeah, some crisp beer to clean your palate. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I'll, I'll take that advice. <laughs> I, just saying, I don't know. <laughs> so it was, it was uh, you, you said you had a professor who was um, taught enology, and that's kind of when you started to make the switch over. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, I started learning from him a little bit more and just got interested. And then after, like, college, I would go to the lab and do some analysis on the wines and just fun stuff and kind of, it was fun. It was like interesting and wanted to learn more. Things, things people who study food science do for fun. We go to the lab, we analyze some samples. It's totally cool. Um, so what, what was like your first job after you left university? So I worked like a kind of like intern at the lab at University of okay. Sarajevo. But my first job like in the winemaking, like actually in the cellar, was when I moved to States. Okay. So when, when did you actually move to the U.S.? I moved in 2012. Wow. Yeah. So my first job was in 2013 mm-hmm. with the Heston Vineyards. Deborah Eagle gave me the first job in a tasting room. <laughs> well, I mean, that's where a lot of people start, right? Yes. So I started in tasting room. I came from a different country. I didn't know what where 
what's happening. So I started uh, in a tasting room, and that's uh, Thomas Rivers Brown was the winemaker at Heston, and I met him and asked him to do harvest. So I did three harvests with him, learned everything from him. And then uh, I worked for Mondavi family for a year in a cellar as well, and then I worked at Free Flow as a QC manager where we put wine in a can and kegs. So that was a fun job. I learned a lot about pressure there. And then Deborah moved to Santa Barbara in 2018. So I was like, hey, if anything comes, just let me know. I would love to move. So this position came in 2019, and I moved. All right, so we're going to go back to 2012. Okay. Why did you decide to move to the U.S.? Uh, I accidentally moved here. <laughs> See, I knew there was a <laughs> so, so my husband is a U.S. Air Force Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was stationed in Sarajevo for a year, and that's how we met during my college studies. And then we have a three years long distance relationship. And then after my studies, we were like, okay, where are we going? What to do? So we decided to get married, and then we moved to states. And um, I just didn't know where I'm moving, and I was like, oh, where I will be able to be a winemaker. And then he was like, yeah, I'm stationed 30 minutes away from Napa. So. So where was that first place? Because I know down in Central Coast, there's Vandenberg. Where was he stationed up near Napa? Travis Air Force Base is in Vacaville. Okay. In between Fairfield and Vacaville. Gotcha. And that's not too far from Napa. That would make sense. I was like, so um, tell people, because I have people, I have winemakers like you who listen to my podcast. I have wine enthusiasts. I have people, I have Masters of Wine. I have the New York Times wine critic listen to my podcast. But then I have people who, who don't, who are just new learning about wine. Tell people who Thomas Rivers Brown is, because there's people who actually probably don't know who he is. Uh, Thomas Rivers Brown, they call him a king of Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, <laughs> yes, Cabernet Sauvignon. And uh, he was the youngest who got 100 score points. And uh, he makes label makes wines like uh, like Schrader, Maybeck, and Heston, including Heston. So he, it's really, I'm really like grateful to have to learn winemaking from him. Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of a badass, boys and girls. <clears throat> um, we were actually talking before, because we got a little studio audience today, um, <laughs> uh, about how many people like who make wine that like are legends that people don't even know about. You yes. Know? Particularly in today's era of social media, um, just the people, they, you know, they might have their small little Instagram, but if you don't know, you know, I mean, uh, Rivers, uh, what is it? Marie Rivers is on Instagram, but like you got to be in the know. A lot of these are mailing list wines. Um, yes. they're making cult wines. They're making um, high scoring wines. And again, on this podcast, there's people who don't like scores, and there's people who do like scores. Um, uh, they make uh, you know, um, hard to find wines. Um, definitely. So, um, and did you say you just asked him? You met him? You just said, "Hey, can I?" <laughs> yeah I, it's like okay what i i don't i think i was so new to states i didn't realize how big deal he was right it's right it's right cool right like it's like it was yeah, it's like, bliss. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay i'm gonna just go and ask him and it's, it was just like um something that it's like oh maybe opportunity for me yeah and then i think a few years after it's like oh okay i got it <laughs> all these wines that he makes and all these labels and it's all on the private list and it's like okay got it yeah, yeah. so what was your first harvest like because had you done anything like that before you moved to the states did you work any like harvest uh back uh, in your homeland no okay i did not okay. uh 
Well, I think it was fun. I liked it. <laughs> um, I loved uh, to learning everything, and I think uh, um, just did a lot of pump overs. I know everybody was like hating it, and I was like, "Oh, I love it. it's the best thing to do." Uh, I loved. Uh, it's like kind of crazy time. You have a. I didn't realize it's like oh, it's like you're gonna work this long hours like from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. and then six days a week and one day off. I don't think you realized how uh, labor intense, you, yeah. intense mm -hmm. job is. Mm -hmm. So it was like a lot of things that I needed to learn. and But I, I enjoyed it. I think a lot of people, a lot of times when I have interns and they never did it, I was like, at the end of harvest, you're going to love or you're going to hate the job. I don't think anybody was like, hmm, maybe I will come. Yeah, it's, it's like not, at yeah, the yeah. end, they will know I will never do this. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, I love it. I'm going to come back. Right. You, it's not It's not a thing where you just... There's yeah. No, there's no like there's in no between. Middle. Hmm, there's no maybe middle. Maybe next year <laughs> yeah, I kind of no. like it again. No. Maybe I'm going to try like, again. I'm going to work really hard again next year to see if... No, either you, it's either like, you're no. all in or you're like, you know what? I'm just going to drink it. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I go back to tasting room right. and be beautiful and <laughs> sell the wines. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, so uh, remind me, who gave you like your first job um, outside of the tasting room? So after tasting room, I worked for Thomas. Okay. And then after Thomas Harvest, I went back uh, in tasting room with Gergich Hills. Okay. And then after that, I went uh, again to work with Thomas Harvest. And that's how, after that harvest, I went to Mondavi family. Okay. I worked a little bit over a year in a cellar. And then after that, I went uh, with Thomas again to do harvest with him. And then I started working at Free Flow after finishing that harvest. So you, I got to stop you because you have work with some badass people you're kind of stepping yes. over it so then you were at Gergich so talk yes. about I mean like it's Gergich Hills yeah it's really, it was so so much fun working with them because they're from Croatia exactly and I'm from Bosnia so yeah. it was like uh, I would have a lot of people coming from our area and I would do tours in our language oh, so man. it was like really fun to work I'm, I I really loved and enjoy working, but I know I wanted to go back to cellar. They tried to keep me, but I was like, no, I just want to go back to cellar and You're like, drive I, my forklift. I know I'm beautiful, but I'm, I'm more than a tasting room. It's like, <laughs> I want to drive my forklift. and You know what they say, girls and their toys in the, in the vineyards, yeah. you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Um, and then <clears throat> free flow. So you said that was canned and kegged wine. Yes. And this, what year was this? Uh, I think 2000, beginning of 2017. So is this kind of like, they're like, were they like pioneers in the canned wine yes. movement type thing? Yeah, I was looking for jobs, like wanted a change. And then uh, I, they were like offering like this uh, position as a, it was a lab position. Okay. And then I was like, hmm, that sounds fun. And then I applied and uh, they hired me immediately. And I really had, I really loved that job. I learned so much. You're working under pressure. You're 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 you're, pro you're producing constantly. I learned so much about cans, which I have much more appreciation for than I was before I started. Uh, I learned a lot of about managing people because we had a big team. So there's a lot of like things like in the production, constantly producing that kind of right, prepared it's not, me for it's the not wine. harvest based. No, per se. it's like bulk, everyday yeah. bottling. Yeah. So it's it's a different type of uh, stress. 
mm-hmm. and different type of pressure because every day you have to bottle like five, six, seven thousand gallons of wine. So it's back in your beer brewing. It's like working at Budweiser. It's every day you're just on a line, just cranking it out. Well, I started in 2017, where I think I I forgot it was I think end of 2017 when we start, first start to can wines. And then uh, it wasn't too much popular. And then that part of winemaking just went crazy, like big. And then we got like so many wineries that wanted to can. And we were one of the few people who did it. So we got suddenly so busy with canning. And they invented, I invested in a, right before I left, like $8 million, the canning line. So it was really like. That's a big deal. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. So you're working with cult winemaker and then you're canning wine. Like you have got the full gamut right there. You run the yeah. whole spectrum of the of the business. I just took opportunities. Ah, that's a sound bite, by the way. <laughs> Let me use that one. No, that's very true. Um, and so then <clears throat> what was it like working for the Madavis? It was fun. Because another icons of the business. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, and I met Michael Mondavi. So it was something like, oh, you're meeting this huge family, like together with Mike Gergich, like uh, people who really started Napa Valley. So it was really nice to work for them as well. What did you do over there? I was in a cellar. Okay. Uh, just taking care of the wines, doing harvest and enjoying. Kind of walk listeners through like what... Uh, you do in the cellar during harvest? Like, what? What is it? What? What was a typical day for you like? So you start, and then when you go in cellar, it's like, okay, what you have to sanitize all the tanks, all the line for the crushing, and then after sanitation, if it's middle of harvest, you're doing pump overs, punch downs on vines, and then, um, so there's a lot of squeegeeing the floors. <laughs> See, if you made natural wine, you wouldn't have to clean shit. You could just leave it dirty, you know? <laughs> She's like, nope, you're not saying that. <laughs> you're being good. I have guests who go in on that, so it's funny. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's it's just precision. It's cleaning. It's Yes, repetition. it's a lot of cleaning, a lot of cleaning. And then we did barreling down, and then you offload the truck with barrels. You forklift. You're driving forklifts. She's, so all of these things... <laughs> That you do, like, I don't think a lot of people, like, think, oh, you're looking through your little instrument and right. measuring bricks. Right, and that's you what people think. That's the, the picture. Grapes. Right. Yeah. That's the picture in the wine spectator, right? Like, it's all sexy, right? Got the wine thief. <laughs> in a beautiful dress. Yeah, right. It's like, oh. It's like, no, you don't have time for that. But I would always have interns. They would stump the grapes, and it's fun for five minutes. And it's like, no, you have to do it for 30 minutes. And then after five minutes, okay, I took all of my pictures. It's like, I'm done with this. This is actually hard. So I see them, like, crying in a, like, in a tank. I was like, no, keep going. So it's always fun to see. <laughs> That's awesome. Look at these for the Instagram, right? Yeah. It's like I'm done. It's like no, you're not. That would be like that would be like walking in sand for like thirty minutes. That's got to be so hard. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> it is. Um. So, um, then um, you uh, 
Mondavi. Then did you go down to Santa Barbara? Or? So Mondavi was before Free Flow. Okay, so it was before Free Flow. Yeah. Okay, okay. So when I was working in Free Flow, that's when uh, Deborah invited me to come to Santa Barbara, visit and see and to make decision if I want to move. So I went... So the beautiful vineyards, I love the wines, and uh, then you get beautiful sunny beaches that you don't have in Northern California. So it's like, oh my God, <laughs> this is paradise. So yeah, it's that's how it happened for me. You go out to California first time, particularly Central Coast and down. It's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, I remember the first time I went up the one. So we come down to Santa yeah. Monica, and that was the first time I saw the ocean. And it was just like Baywatch. You see those those lifeguard yeah. stands, and you're like, <gasps> "This is so cool!" It's so exactly, exactly, exactly. You're like, "This is so cool! I want to live here." I know. You know? <laughs> it's beautiful, yeah. And then you go in the ocean. It's like, oh, it's cool. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Okay, just, thank you. Know, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pacific Ocean, like and that's why everybody surfing wears uh, wetsuits. Yeah, that water. Coming down from freaking Alaska, it's so cold. It is super cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. So you go to exactly. You go out to you go down to Santa Barbara County. You just see the hills. You got you know you got mountains over here. You got ocean over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was your? And you were hired on as assistant winemaker there, right from yes, the start. Yes, correct. Okay. All right. Um, and tell us a little bit about. Um, let's back up. Tell us about. Uh, the history of Almarosa, how it came into play. Like, um, I know it was another winery. Well, the 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 owner had another winery, which I believe he sold. Or Richard Sam- yeah, 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 Sanford yeah, yeah. is our um, he is our ambassador right now. Yep. So Santa Rita Hills was founded by Richard Sanford, who started Almarosa Winery, but he moved after the Vietnam War. Um, trying to escape from everything, and uh, he moved to trying to find a region uh, to plant uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and he was driving uh, through the West Coast and stopped in Central Coast, and then he was, like, measuring the temperatures and found uh, Santa Rita Hills to plant first grapes, and it, which was the Sanford and Benedict mm-hmm. in 71. And then uh, later on, he's planted also Lancantara Vineyard that I have opportunity to work with today, and he also planted uh, first wines on Almarosa Estate in '83, and it was the first certified organic uh, wines in Santa Barbara County. And started Almarosa uh, in 2005, and the, later on in 2015, he met our owner Bob Zorich, and the, our owners Bob and Barb were studying at UC Santa Barbara, and for, for, fall in love with the region. And they knew one day they want to come back and buy some property or something. And uh, they're at Houston, in Houston now. That's where they live. And then in 2015, they bought uh, Almarosa from Richard, which he stayed to be our ambassador and still lives on property. Gotcha. So, yeah, I got the opportunity to work with him as well next to Mike Gergich and Michael Montana. I know. This is just legends. <laughs> and Thomas Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so... We got she got some wines here, so I'm drinking. Yes. We taste some wines. What's that? Oh yeah. Um, how's it taste? It's delicious. What, what what's kind of like your your style? So we have the Chardonnay, which is the 2020 Santa Rita Hills Chardonnay. Yes. Um, what's uh? Tell me about this wine. So what made me 
like fall in love in Santa Rita Hills is the beauty of our region is that the mountains all the way on the west coast goes south to north. And this is the only place where they shift east to west. So we get a lot this funnel that brings in morning fog, fog from the ocean and a nice uh, breeze. Yeah. That is perfect for Chardonnays and the Pinot Noirs, as well Rhone varietals. The other thing that uh, is really interesting is our terroir. We have a marine layer that died a million years ago, so you still have kind of seashells in the soils. And uh, we have these sandy soils, clay loam soils. What makes it so beautiful is that our Chardonnay, and what I try to achieve is to show Santa Rita Hills, and that is that beautiful acid and the beautiful minerality. And my favorite part is the saline notes mm-hmm. that you're getting, like kind of like, oh, I'm at, just like ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that influence of the ocean that is so strong in this region. So Santa Rita Hills, I this particular wine, I aged for 11 months in a 15% new French oak. So that new oak just gives nice little body to it, mm-hmm. but it's still just like that beautiful Santa Rita Hills, bright yeah. Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, what you said about Central Coast, because when I lived in Santa Santa Barbara, is like one of the few places you can see that the sun actually rises over the ocean and sets over the ocean. Yes, it's, it's pretty beautiful. cool. It's crazy. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Yes. Um, and um, you said this is like 15% new oak. Chardonnay likes oak. I mean, I tell people all the time, uh, why is it called French oak? What do you think they use in Merceau? What do you think they use in Pelini Montrachet? Like if you can afford it and you can do it right, like you said, it's not overdone. It just frames the wine, yes. right? So it gives it enough body, but this does have does have a hint in the salinity notes, um, beautiful like, like lemon notes, lemon yes. curds, citrusy. Very um, citrusy. That's also another thing that it's so so nice about Santa Rita Hills is it's a lot of lemon lime, lemon peel notes that I found. Also, like what I love is the the nose on it. It has that white flowers, jasmine, that is really like enjoyable. Yes. Um, you know what? We're going to take a quick break. We've got to pause and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk more uh, Santa Rita Hills with Samra Morris. All right. Are you ready for another great distributor to look for when shopping for fine wines and spirits? Let me tell you about Independence Wine and Spirits, or IWS. IWS is one of the hot, up-and-coming distributors of fine wines and spirits headquartered in New York City. Like Taub Family Selections, IWS is owned by the Taub family, who have re-entered the New York wholesale market, bringing the family back to its roots in distribution, where they held court from 1951 through 2004. IWS is proud to represent an exceptional portfolio of high-quality, terroir-centric, and historic producers from around the world, including Italy and France, where they have an exciting roster of burgeoning Vinrones from Burgundy that are coming your way soon. They also have domestic producers such as La Coya, Cardinale, Staglin, El Molino, and many more. To learn more about IWS, go to independencewine.com. It's no secret that everyone's wine education journey is unique. You deserve a wine school that not only delivers top-notch content, but also guides you on a learning path that's right for you. So whether you're looking to earn your WSET certification or just get the basics without the stress of certification in their Wine 101 or 201 courses, the Napa Valley Wine Academy is a place to be. Go to NapaValleyWineAcademy.com for more information. Hey, are you looking to order that special bottle you had on vacation? Uh, Do you need to find a bourbon your boss has never tried? How about wrapped bottle gifts for teachers, coaches, or your sales force? Grapes the Wine Company can provide all this and more. 
They do Zoom tastings, winemaker dinners, wine-driven charity events, seller consultations, and stellar suggestions. They do it all. Did we mention Burgundy? If you left your heart and bone, there's no better stateside destination to shop for red and white Burgundy. Not to mention the great wines of France, Italy, Germany, the U.S., and Spain. That's grapesthewineco.com. Okay, we're back. Um, <clears throat> she's like, she's, she's like, wait, she thought, do I have time to go to the bathroom? No. No, you're fine. <laughs> she thought it was like a real break. <laughs> it is a break, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so uh, were you nervous when you're going to be an assistant winemaker, your first go around being an assistant winemaker, or you just like, you'd done so much in the cellar, you were confident? No, I was confident. I was like, I know I can do it. I had, at that point, I had enough. Well, I, let me, actually, that's, Dumb question. Thomas Rivers Brown, <laughs> Mandavis, Mike Gerges. And then you get to work with uh, Richard Sanford for a little bit there. Um, so um, I'm going to have some of this Pinot and talk to me about talk to me about the estate, right? Um, yes, of how course. Many, how, many, how many vines are planted under under? Uh, how many how many vines are planted on the estate? Is this all estate fruit? Like, what's how do you guys? What's your philosophy over there? So uh, our estate is over six hundred acres, all in a hillside, and thirty eight acres is planted with the uh, wines, twenty two Pinot Noir, ten Chardonnay, and the mo- rest of it is um, Grenache and Syrah. I also work with the Lancantara Vineyard. I work with Rancho La Vina, Bentrock, and Radian. So what my philosophy is for the vineyard-designated wines is to show terroir of each vineyard. So once when you taste all of my four vineyard-designated wines, it's like the, I want you to show the, how unique they can be. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. And then on our estate... Uh, First year we made uh, Syrah and Grenache was 2020, and I'm really excited to share those with the public soon. Yeah, well, you're going to have to come back or at least send me some Grenache. Grenache is like my favorite yes. varietal. Love it. There you go. Thank you. All right, so what's this first Pinot that I poured in my glass? So the first Pinot that I have today is our Santa Rita Hills 2020 Pinot Noir. So this wine comes mostly from our estate, okay. El Habli, mm-hmm. and has a three, 3% of Bentrock. So the beauty of our estate, we have um, clay loam soils and sandy soils, but also we have a different clones on our estate. So once when I pick, I know exactly which block I will designate to our estate Pinot Noir and which blocks I will des- designate for my Santa Rita Hills. So what I try to show in Santa Rita Hills Pinot is that vibrant Pinot Noir, a lot of red berries, beautiful rose petals, nice like orange peel, a little bit of that spiciness that you get from Santa Rita Hills. And my favorite is the chalky tannins that definitely show beautifully in our region. So the aging regime Sounds like I'm hitting a bong, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't it, right? I, you know, if you've done that thing before. Sarah's like, what's a bong? I know. <laughs> um, okay, you have to explain it to me later. <laughs> um, okay, so it's beautiful. Thank um, you. Amazing, amazing. Um, chalky tannins. What? What about chalky tannins? That you? What? What do you like about the chalky chalky tannins? You just don't get it 
like jamminess, like it's just like so. I don't know how to say exactly in English and how to describe, but it's just like kind of you can taste it in your kind of like when you like uh, sipping on your wine, like the chalkiness that comes like right. from. It actually it um it's. I'm gonna try this. I think it's guttural. You actually feel it going down. Yeah. You know, and it kind of just it's gives grippy. You long, yeah, 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 grip, very yeah, yeah, grip. Yeah, grip. It gives you long finish, and yeah. it's like oh, I want to, I want more. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, what with this wine? So you, you know, you said you know which which uh, blocks you're gonna put in this. How do you how do you do how do you do that? Uh, right before harvest, and I, I taste all the grapes within the blocks and kind of already I have an idea like tasting the grapes where my my where the one kind of what I'm expecting in cellar and which block is going where okay so you basically you just feel like I'm just I you see my resume I'm good I know what I do talk about that because I've heard it talk about tasting grapes what do you, like when you taste a grape that you're going to make wine with what are you what are you tasting for you're tasting like for the flavors, okay. you want to have that flavors so it's nice and ripe. Okay, I'm good to pick. You want that acid and you want that sugar in it. Mm-hmm. So all these three kind of compounds you kind of have to kind of put together and choose that perfect date of picking, which can be very stressful, but it's like, okay, it's good to go. I'm ready to pick. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like I think you just keep tasting, keep tasting, and it's like it just something clicks in your head. It's like okay, I think it's good to go. Yeah. Um, and like with a wine like this, um, do you have any influences from Burgundy? Obviously, the whole thing with Burgundy is terroir, right? It's like this commune is different from that commune. Um, what clones are in this? Because just talk so about. So I have clones. a nine forty three. I have A two eight. I have one one five, and triple seven and six six seven. So it's a little bit of each of it's these like clones. You, you said your there's your mom's accounting coming in because you have all the number <laughs> clones. A little bit. Yeah. Don't go too far. Yeah, it's like, like you're gonna be like, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go play the lottery. I'm like one 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 seven seven seven. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Um, so I would say I'm European. Yep. And I really respect old world winemaking. Yep. Okay. And yes, we all learn from France and from Burgundy, but I'm proud California winemaker. I want to show Santa Rita Hills and I want to, I want you to taste my wines. I want you to be, mm-hmm. this is, this is Santa Rita Hills and this is California. Mm-hmm. So you I have influence to learn from all these winemakers. I also, my consulting winemaker is Tony Biaggi. Oh, damn. <laughs> so you got to, I was like pulling teeth, get another name. Another name. You, Sam, where you drop something, plink, <laughs> a name. Yes. Yeah, tell so, people who Tony, uh, tell people, So because again, people may not know who Tony Biaggi is. So t- Tony Biaggi is the winemaker for Hourglass. He was a winemaker from Plum Jack and... Um, he has uh, almost 30 years of experience in winemaking, and he studied UC, wine, UC Davis winemaking. And um, yeah, he's one of the most popular winemakers in Napa Valley. And oh, let me not forget, Venus pronounced him a best winemaker a year ago. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So like, it's like you're the consultant with Tony, 
or Michelle Ruland in Napa. That's like the two. They're like he's like a he's like Michelle Ruland is a French enologist who consults on all these fucking high end wines for those who don't. But yeah, but Tony Biaggi is like American dude. Yes, and he works all up and down the coast because I know he works with some people in Paso. In Paso, yes, we're the only ones in Santa Rita Hills and uh, Santa Barbara, and I love working with him. Being young winemakers, sometimes it can be very challenging, mm-hmm. especially like all the pressure during harvest. So I, sometimes I get stressed out and I want to quit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's too much. But uh, he's there for me to say, okay, you're you're fine. So he's, it's really amazing. Just not, I learned so much like from him on like a winemaking side on like what to have to make decisions, what I want in the wines. But it's just amazing to have him such a, to be such a support to me. And um, have me just keep growing. Yeah, is he one of those guys? Because <clears throat> I haven't, I've yet to meet him. But um, yes, you must. Definitely yeah, I definitely will. Um, but like I know, um, Philippe Camby used to consult a lot in Paso Robles because they do Rhone stuff. And, and like, mm-hmm. like there's guys who go in like Philippe Camby, like sixty five percent this, thirty five, uh, twenty eight that, three percent this, mm-hmm. for that. Like there's these guys who, like I said, they just. Go in like Tony sounds like one of those guys who's making decisions. He can just tell you this much new oak. Like what type of, like what type of guidance has he given you that you found most valuable? So what I love about Tony, and I think we're very similar, and why we match as a consultant and somebody like as his student, is that we have that passion, mm-hmm. like a lot of passion, and we make decisions like, okay, my wine is fermenting now, and I think this how much oak it can handle. Oh, I'm gonna stir my barrels this much. So everything is like right there decision what is what i taste and what i feel and that's who he is and it's really impressive and that's the, i think my favorite part learning from him it's like every calm down take it time it's fine and then let's see what fine wants I love and that. it's amazing yeah yeah um from from when you first started as assistant winemaker to becoming winemaker um what was like? What was the biggest challenge for you? Would you say? Winemaker quitting year a week before harvest. How are you not going to tell me what? Okay, what happened? What had happened? I don't know, <laughs> but it was like week before harvest, and then uh, I was like, oh, I came as assistant winemaker, and I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can take over. I think I'm ready, and. Uh, it was amazing that. Uh, am I, oh, I'm sorry. Am I understanding? So you you come to be assistant winemaker. Yes. And then your first harvest as assistant winemaker mm-hmm. a week before the winemaker left. Yes. Okay, that's different. I don't want. To... Yep. <laughs> tell, me, tell me, we call that thrown to the wolves here. Yeah. <laughs> Trial by fire. Yes, pretty much. But I know. Okay, it's gonna be super challenging. It's gonna be like a lot of stress. But I know. I know I have a talent and I know I can do it. So it's amazing that our owner and our general manager gave me opportunity. How long were you, um, how long had you been working there before harvest? Like, do you have a few months at least? Like Since July. Ah. So you know, almost two months. Yeah. Like maybe two months, <laughs> six weeks. Yeah. Like, you know, like you're still trying to, like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like you weren't with, you weren't there for bud break. You like, like you had to like, just, no. just jump in and. Hi, Samra. Make the wine. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh my God! So, yeah, tell us about that first harvest. So then you had you had to, you you're had gonna to do the, taste. You're gonna I taste know, my you, first babies but, here. But you had to do the whole crew. Like so, you like they had. Like, it was just actually it. It was just me, and then um, 
we have a Caesar who yeah. helped us in a ranch. Okay. And uh, he joined me. He never did harvest. And me and him were working until midnight some days. And we were just, wow. I have a general manager cleaning my uh, distimmer. I have my husband working on weekends <laughs> with me. So. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> My husband, by the way, hated. He said he will never come back. Right. So, right. Like we said, you either love it or you hate yeah, it. Yeah, right? he's like, no, I'm not digging out the tanks anymore. That's too hard. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. So, wow. I'm glad something said to ask that question. Um, which one do you want me to taste first? So, we're going to go with the Rancho Lavinia okay. 2019. Right. So, we, these are in the right order. Sam is not drinking. I am. So she's I'm big. She, she is tasting. I'm tasting. She's they always tasting. ask me, do you drink a lot? It's like, no, I taste all the time. I know. I know. It's actually the key to longevity in this business. Yes. On your side. I just entertain people, so I'm supposed to drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah, this is beautiful vineyard. All right, so tell me about Rancho La Vina. So Rancho La Vina Vineyard is high in the hills and it's sandy soil. So it gets really a lot of wind from the ocean. So that wind kind of beats the beats the little clusters. Yep. So you get really small clusters with a lot of concentration of flavor and acid and not a lot of juice. So the it's really beautiful vineyard. And the first what you notice is the beautiful dark car- color that you get in this uh yeah. It has a it's so interesting when I fermented it was like a lot of dark fruits and when I first bottled it you get nice dark fruits, you get a little bit herbal notes, but now more and more it's aging, it's showing beautiful floral notes that uh, I'm start to noticing that we just released this wine and it's just opening up beautifully. And the, and these wines, I mean, <clears throat> I've had wines from Santa Rita Hills before. Like these are all even the Chardonnay, these are all age-worthy wines. Like you can Stored right, these wines can go yes the long haul, right? So, what I learned from Tony is, and what I'm comfortable with is, I age all of my Pinots on lease and mm-hmm. Chardonnay as well. Mm-hmm. So, once when it right before bottling, I rack it off the lease with the Bulldog. So that means I connect an uh, Argon to my little piece of equipment, and then when I rack it off the lease, my wine doesn't get any oxygen. Oh, so you got so like a goes, big ass Coravan, basically. You just pump that organ. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I would call it like that, and then um, bottle it like that. So, yeah. and it's also unfiltered and unfined. So my wine really needs time to age in a bottle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't open up like. So yeah, we're we're releasing a Barrel Select 2019 in Rancho Lavinia just right now, but it has a good um, age potential. Yeah. Age. You, everybody knows what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, like, this vineyard is really pretty. I'm very lucky to work with all of these vineyards, and I hope you come and visit and taste all of the our vineyards and show how unique they are. Well, I am going to come visit for sure because Santa Barbara is my wine home. Um, and... Um, <clears throat> I will probably have visited by the time this airs, but I'm planning on coming out in May. So if I have time, that visit, I'll let you know. Sounds good. All right. Um, and I'm going to be, well, I'm going to be in San Inez, but 
Anyway. Um, We're not that far. I know. It's just one street. I know. I know, exactly. <laughs> and other little towns. Exactly. I know. My friend is like, where's Solving? I was like, yeah, it's just one street exactly. for me. It's yeah. like, you're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> you're not going to miss it. <laughs> you're not going to miss it. <laughs> um, all right. Hit me with your clone numbers on this one. So this one has a triple seven and one one five that I work with. So this is the vineyard I purchased grapes from. Okay. And um, it's a block one and ten that I get from this. And when I made them in two thousand nineteen, I fall in love with this vineyard. And um, how does your husband feel about that? You being in love with the vineyard? <laughs> He's like, oh, give up. He gave up. <laughs> I always give him, like, smell this. He's like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> like, yes, baby, I don't know what you're smelling. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he's typical. He's military. He loves uh, beer it's and beer. he loves, uh, like, uh, not the cognac. Um, uh, he loves, like, tequila. A, no, no, I guess not. tequila too, but uh, I forgot. Anyway, but anyway, yeah, he, he's, he's a, not. He's not into the wine as much yeah, as he should be. I'm forcing him now. Yeah, exactly. It's like you have to drink this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I don't normally talk about this, but so what? What is a seven seven clone? Where's that from? Where's Where's one fifteen from? Where are these clones from? Where are they? They all all of the f- clones that we, I work with. They come originally from France. But what what commune? Like who usually grows? Like like I know where Pomard clone comes from because I know Pomard. But where's like seven seven usually grown? Do you um, know, or is it kind of all over? Yeah, I'm not. Oh. I, I think mostly vineyards in Santa Rita Hills have triple seven, one one five, six six seven, and eight two eight. And I believe one one five is very popular within the vineyards. I know the new clone that is my favorite is nine forty three, and not a lot of vineyards in Santa Rita Hills have it. And we're one of the vineyards that we have, and that's definitely my baby. <laughs> <laughs> so is and so this is a blend of two different clones, and yes. you, and you also know the blocks. Yes, yeah, so two different blocks. I think this wine is just like a vineyard driven, so that ocean breeze, like when I. Not, it's not even breeze on this vineyard. It's really like a wind. Right. That when I fermented it, it was purple foam. <laughs> it was like, oh, wow, this is really impressive. Like, it's really like a terroir-driven wine. And you said this is, the soil again is sand? It's sand, so. yeah. It's like you're walking at the beach. It's really so how impressive. Does that, how's that deal? Because I know... So um, wines are going to struggle more because yeah. the water is going to just go really the, easily through the sand. So that struggle with the wines and also that wind. It kind of gives you super small clusters that... Not a lot of juice and wo- juice in it, so that concentration of the flavors and really l- the color in this vineyard is really impressive. Right. I mean, my reference point for sand is with Grenache. It's Chateau Reyes, and unlike a lot of the other chateaux, it, it makes it a very uh, erythral, pretty, perfumed wine. Yes. So is that same thing you you get? You think you get from the soils? I believe. Yeah, I get that from Santa Rita Hills. I love the perfumey notes, like. When I need to write my notes mm-hmm. from all of our Pinots or Chardonnay, Syrah, Grenache, it takes me like 10 minutes just to enjoy in a, in a smell because it's really like this beautiful perfumey and you're trying to figure it out. It's like, okay, I don't think even that my like vocabulary is so good how many perfumey and mm-hmm. beautiful notes in our vines there is. So I would say, yes, very p- nice perfumey notes, floral notes that you're getting in Santa Rita Hills. 
And a lot sometimes it's really interesting when I ferment there's a lot of like a black pepper. And it's also another unique thing what mm-hmm. you will notice about Santa Rita Hills wines when mm-hmm. you drink and people who doesn't drink like can find that in our wines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you went to make this wine uh, and this was also one of your first wine this was your same for me because you just released this right this is like your Yes. Okay. Um did you had the blocks that you're going to pick from already been selected or did you get to go walk the vineyard and choose the blocks how how did that happen I didn't have time for that I know. <laughs> no, this was already <laughs> So for the, yeah for all for Rancho La Viña and other vineyards they were mm-hmm. already picked selected blocks before I even gotcha. took over mm-hmm. and I just had needed to work with mm-hmm. them and then I think the picked blocks were really good and I'm sticking with them even in 2021 2020 gotcha. as forward. well moving forward and that's going to be my blocks and in these specific vineyards besides our estate vineyard very cool very cool um I could pour this out but it would be a waste so, uh, <laughs> mm. I'm making up for Sunday. I actually went to a wine dinner and there was like a ton of wine. And I was like, I've had a long week. We had eight bottles Saturday night. Oh, wow. And I said, you know what? I was pouring and dumping at an actual wine. When I should have been drinking, I was like, I got to get home. Left early. Not like me. All right. What is this last bottle, Samra? All righty. This is really interesting wine. Oh, it is. I got got a just big hit of citrus on the nose on my first. Yeah, this is like very like I was telling to my friend last night when we had a dinner. Like now that I opened this wine, I didn't taste it in a while. I smell the ocean. Also like. It does smell like the beach. Yeah. Not like. It's just like that the ocean no, floor or yeah, it's like yeah. it's like the whole kind of the sand, the whole thing of the beach. Yes, right? and then I got the excited. It's like yes, this is this is it. That's Santa <laughs> Rita Hills. So Barrel Select 2019 is made um, the idea of Barrel Select. Richard Sanford made this wine while he was having Sanford and Benedict Winery, and kind of to thank him for the region and everything and being our ambassador we named the barrel select because he had that in Sanford and Benedict so we kind of transferred it to us and the idea is to make more complex Pinot Noir and I go to the cellar and taste certain barrels out of each vineyard I work and it's like okay this is going to be my barrel select so this is uh, our estate uh, El Hable. It's Radian, it's Bentrock, and Rancho La Viña. So it's just certain barrels that I choose. It's 65% new French oak. It's a little bit more complex, as I said, Pinot mm-hmm. Noir, so it can ha- handle more wood. Mm-hmm. Aged also for 15 months on lease, wrecked from the lease and bottled unfiltered and unfined. And yes, we just released this one as well. <clears throat> um, I love Radian Vineyard, particularly for Pinot. It's- what so what's the composition of radian? Just cause, I don't. I just like it when I see radian. I know it's going to be tasty. Um, yeah. So there's. A, it's really interesting vineyard. It has a lot of different like sites, different influences uh, of of wind. Mm-hmm. So 
I just walk with Matt D's and kind of trying to choose. Matty D's, Jonata. Yes. Love Matty D's. So he was, he, we were like stand, standing in one block. It was windy and the other, there was no wind. So I, it was like really interesting like to see that vineyard. It's the closest vineyard to the ocean I work with. So my blocks, I have two blocks. One is diatomaceous earth and one is uh, clay loam. So um, it's, I can't say like, uh, you know, this. that's my favorite because they all of my favorite blog, and I love to work with all of these vineyards, and they're to me they're all very unique. So I can't like put. She's okay, very, very, very diplomatic. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just being honest. It's like I love Radian, but I think the other vineyards are very beautiful too. Yeah, I have. I had a bent rock Pinot. I've had bent rock Chard. Mm-hmm. Um, bent rock is more like a red berries, very like more like bright. Yeah. Comparing to Radian, it's more like meaty. Yeah, and, I like because yeah. I'm. Like Syrah, yeah. like so yeah. it's, it's that big, it's, yes. it's that hefty. Yes, people pinot. love, yeah. like who loves, like a lot of people is like, I hate Pinot because it's light, it's like tri Yeah, if you're and, a cab drinker, yeah. right, there's certain vineyards yes. where you're going so to get So it's really beauty, big... yeah, to work for us being a small winery. Mm-hmm. We produce only 250 to 300 cases of each vineyard designated wine that people can kind of choose what they really love. Some people love that. Lang Cantada, who is very bright, who is very light vineyard, comparing to Radian, who is really like meaty. Meaty, hefty, yes. Ch- <laughs> chunky. These are all adjectives for kids who were obese when I was a child and husky. <laughs> and you can't say them anymore, but you can just say them one. It's meaty. It's got some thighs on it, not legs. It's got some thighs on it. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so let's talk about... Um, like, you know, Sanford initially was known for Burgundian varietals. Um, but there are people like, sneaky people like like you guys are making a Grenache and Syrah. I did an IG Live with Brian Tally. He's like, oh, I make a Grenache. Like, so talk to me about the Rhone stuff, you're, the projects you're working on. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think it's going to be... Uh, so we made it first time in 2020 from our estate. And I made Chardonnay and I made Pinot. And when I made Syrah and Grenache, it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I I am looking forward to release these wines. And then people can see the beauty of Rhone varietals being able to be grown uh, in Santa Rita Hills next to Burgundian varietals. So, and, um, yeah, they're very um, also floral. Pin- Syrah is always Syrah. <laughs> I love it. It's like it's always interesting for me to see people. They love it or hate it. Like the the drink people who drink Syrah and yeah. I always try to convince them, no, give it a chance. It's really like beautiful varietal. But <laughs> sometimes it's just hard to convince people. But yeah, they're showing beautifully. We're planting more because um, we're a little bit growing and we try to see what we wanted more. And I was like, yeah, I want more Grenache and Syrah. Yeah, because they're really phenomenal. I, you know, so I first moved to Santa Barbara in '99. Um, I've known since then that Santa Rita Hill Syrah is ridiculous. Like one of the best Syrahs I've ever had till this day. 1996 nice. Babcock Black Label Syrah. We were blinding that against everything. Um, 
Ohio, freaking, I mean, just everybody. Yes. And and there with Sin Quanon, that thing would always finish in the top three. Mm-hmm. Always. So I'm excited to taste one because, like, I, it's so diverse um, there. And that's the type of wine. I'm talking about that wine to this day. No, like, yeah, it is. I'm very, it, they impressed me too. You know. Like, I was like, oh, wow. Um, and then talk about Grenache, but the Grenache, but the Grenache is, see, I always tell people, feel free to disagree. Uh, Pinot Noir wants to be Grenache when it grows up because Grenache can run the whole gamut. Grenache can be just this beautiful, perfumed, yes. and arethal. And then it could be as big as a cab, depending on who's growing it and how hot it gets. You know what I mean? So yes. it runs a, a really wide gamut. And then yes. you can make dessert wine out of it. And you make banyols out of it. But um, mm-hmm. so it has this range. So what, 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 uh, you said you wanted more Syrah and Grenache. Why? With your beautiful Burgundian varietal wines here. Because we have a little. We need more. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best answer, right? She's like, she's like, my mother's an accountant. It's just simple math. We need a little. You know. We make only like, we have a blend that we make a tente, which is only, it's 50% Grenache, 50% Syrah. It's 100 cases. Mm. Then I have Grenache, 100, 113. And a little bit more Syrah. So that's, I feel like it's such a small quantities. And then we have a good demand from our club members and from our Mm -hmm. customers that and i fall in love with them so every year as i say for three years i've been making like um, santa rita hills wines i fall in love with pinot chardonnay beautiful and then i make renage and syrah and text tony oh my god tony (laughs) these are these are just amazing it takes more time for them to ripe yeah in santa rita hills but makes great wines and that's where it comes like we need more of these wines now do you have a specific philosophy regarding uh, alcohol levels or ripeness. I mean, because some people, like I, I I always go back to natural. People like, who do we have on here? I don't know. I've done so many. It's crazy. And we did mm-hmm. so many last week. But they were saying, um, oh, I was an IG Live. But basically, some people like, Oh, it can't be more than, you know, 12% alcohol. So they're just picking and the grapes aren't actually ripe. Are you? No, just, that's not me. Yeah. Okay. So you're picking, <laughs> you're picking, you, you want just the, you know, I, it doesn't have, like, I'm not saying you have to have 14%, but like there's people who specifically like pick. So the alcohol is like 11.5 and that, you know. No, I, I think what I mentioned before, is like, I have to have that mixture of acid. Mm-hmm. I have to have a mixture of sugar and I have to, I have to taste it and be, it's like, of course I look at the temperature and right. what, what's happening, but I really have to have a feel that I'm with my flavor, with my palate, that I want to pick this. Yeah. So, how much of because uh, you said this a few times, I, was, I wanted to ask is like, how much of this is just a feeling? I mean, obviously you taste it and and you're touching it, but like, how much of it is is just like intuition? Would you say during harvest? Uh, it can be like most of the that that's the main reason. Like so. There's that chemistry part where you look and you're very careful, but uh, that gut feeling is what it's like 100% there. Like that's what make my final decision is my gut feeling. It's like, okay, this is ready. That's awesome. Um, do you think like since you started, was that 2019 you mm-hmm. said? Three years later, how much has your um, philosophy, your mind making style changed? How much has it evolved? Much more. I think the beauty of a winemaking is you're learning all the time. I don't think even if 
you never stop learning. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I'm more com- comfortable now. Three years, I have with the same vineyards. I know my soils. I know my blocks. I know like exactly what they're going, what's happening. So yeah, I feel in that way, I feel more comfortable. I am evolving in a way like, oh, now I can go even more and more detailed. It's like, oh, maybe in 19 when everything was crazy, it's like I didn't know, okay, how much I want to do new oak of this. Now I'm like, oh, I want a little bit more here. I want a more, this block here. So yes, it definitely evolved within three years a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you like know all the beetles in the vineyard? Like give them little names or <laughs> the, the falcons above. She's like, what are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Um, so was there like, you know, you, you, uh, you know, we talked in the beginning when we first started talking about, um, food and wine, like you, you mm-hmm. know, your parents did have wine on the table. Um, share some of your experiences. I comes So you're up in Napa, you're hanging out with rivers, uh, you know, Thomas Rivers Brown, Freaking the Mandavis, like you had, you have, you have some pretty epic meals, like, like French laundry type shit, like you know, like meals where incredible yeah. food and wine. Well, I pinch myself every morning when I wake up. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I always think about you know me being a kid in a war, and that's always like my to my whole life. And it's like, oh, I'm here with Thomas, learning from him. I'm here with Tony, learning from him. I'm meeting Richard. Yeah, it's. I'm lucky Bosnian. I always joke and always tell people, it's like, I'm that one lucky Bosnian. There's Mm. some guardian angel always with me and always guide me. It always helps me there for me. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So is there like, was there like, um, like a a bottle of wine that just like, like what was there a bottle of wine where you just were like, Oh, like a light bulb went off. And I don't know if that was when you were still, at home in mm-hmm. Bosnia or here, like, was there just like you just did you have like this one taste of wine and all of a sudden you was like it just the tumblers clicked and the safe opened? Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't the bottle of wine, but it was like when I worked for, for Thomas mm-hmm. when I made my back Cabernet Sauvignon, and that was like my the best wine I remember in cellar. I was like it got hundred points later on, <laughs> but it was like okay, I loved it. Was like I, I was hugging my tank and. Uh, Tim, who, is a, who was assistant winemaker with Thomas, he knew that that's my baby, all the hearts all over the tank. <laughs> They're still in a system. If you go to their system, there's hearts that I was, emoji hearts that I was sent. But yeah, that was, that was like, that will it always will be in my memory. Like, oh, this is the best wine I ever tasted. Wow, 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 wow. And then so like, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're a winemaker, um, um, do you also like to cook at home? Like when you have time, when it's not harvest, obviously harvest is just like crazy, but like, do you like to, like, like one of my favorite things is like Pinot Noir and a roast chicken, mashed potatoes and mm-hmm. haricot verts, just simple. Um, you have some of your favorite, uh, pairings that you do. Yeah. Sure. I love, I love to cook. Yeah. I think the beauty of Pinot, it can go with a lot of meat. It can go nice with lamb. Like traditionally back at home, we eat a lot of lamb. So my husband is better than me in cooking lamb. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, I like it. Uh, I think their ma- Pinot match is really good. I think with all of the 
meat that I eat and I try to cook like sometimes I don't know <laughs> so I, mean, I eat a lot of salads yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very California it's very Central Coast yeah it's, have a salad put no, few just... shrimps in it yeah. I don't know if you call that cooking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I may forget my question or was it the wine because I'm the only one drinking um, but I have to say Tony yep how great winemaker he is. He is a great chef. Yeah. He cooks for us every time when he's coming. He comes once a month to visit us in, um, in Santa Rita Hills, and he is a star of... He cooks amazing meals, and we always bring so many wines and have fun. Yeah, he's a chef in, in our family. family. <laughs> in Almarosa family. Very nice. Um, so... <clears throat> What if, uh, what if, I mean, you said it a few minutes ago, but you're like, like you're that lucky Bosnian, you have the Bosnian angel, but still, I mean, um, what are some of the biggest challenges you did have to overcome as a woman, uh, and, uh, an immigrant, uh, breaking into the business? Were there any? A language. Language. Definitely. Like a lot of times I wouldn't understand a lot of English, like in a cellar, I wouldn't understand, the. Uh, expressions and then i would be like what do you mean and then when i would go home and translate it's like oh i know that she's like i'm gonna do this with this podcast what the hell was he talking <laughs> it's <about>? like, <laughs> yeah so language was one of the things i know a lot of times like uh, production is really you have to lift a lot of heavy stuff mm -hmm. labor but uh, i think the beauty working with every with tony with thomas is they they never been is like oh you're female you can't do it. When I worked with Thomas, I was the most hungriest intern and I wanted to learn and they recognized it and they would always give me like to do pump overs to learn all of this. So there, I, I never had that. Um, I know a lot of females experience a lot of hard mm -hmm. time, but uh, I was very lucky that all the people I worked with were always supportive of me and always want me to grow. That's awesome. Yes. Um, so as we sit here today in New York City on this fucking dope podcast, thanks Lonnie, thanks yes. to my producer by the way, um, what would you tell your six-year-old self who, when war broke out, like, like, did like war sirens go, like, what would you, mm -hmm. what would you tell yourself today, where you are today, if you could talk to your six-year-old self? Mm, it's going to get better. Mm. It's going to get really good. <laughs> Don't worry. You have to just survive four years, but it's going to get really good. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so what are you most excited about for the future, uh, for your future, for the future of Amorosa? Um, I am excited uh, both for myself and for Almarosa is that uh, we're growing. So it's really I, I think I moved at the right moment for Santa Rita Hills and Almarosa where we're growing as a region, as, as a brand. So I'm super excited to be part of that. And uh, I think our future is going to be really good and uh, we're going to make really, really good wines. And uh, I hope people will come to visit us. Um, we have a tasting room in Solvain. And we also have, a, as I mentioned before, over 600 acres of our ranch. We have a really old ranch house where we do private tastings. We also do hikings. So I'm just like looking forward to see where myself 
gonna grow together with this brand and it's really great awesome and um this is a tough question but like don't test me what is my favorite wine yeah well i'm not <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying like what what's like like but you said it's yeah, <laughs> no, like what is the knock your socks off bottle of wine? Like what bottle? Is it the Malbec? You saw the Malbec blend you talking about? Is that like the wine you're just like? No, it's a Maybach brand. Okay. I don't know. Oh, Maybach. Yeah. Maybach. Sorry, yeah, no, I it's never. No, no, it's okay. That's I'm probably saying always, it wrong. No. Yeah. First of all, it's European, so you're saying it right. Yeah. I'm saying it wrong. I'm, I'm listening to like rappers like Rick Ross talking about my Maybach. <laughs> so that's your Maybach. It's yeah. German. Okay, yes. I'm from Jersey. I'm not from Germany. My GM is saying yeah. something because no, 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 she was in it, Germany living. No, it is, it is, it is, <laughs> I'm saying I listen to hip hop and they say Maybach. It, is my, yeah. it actually my is Bach. my body. Yeah. <laughs> I know everybody, every American look at me. My, I was like, oh, maybe I'm And I knew that. And no, and I totally knew that for some reason. But I was like, but then I was like, oh, because I do, I, I love like those pockets of Malbec that are in Napa and Sonoma. Yeah. So I, I didn't, wasn't sure if it was a Cabernet Malbec blend, but yeah. Yes, yeah. it's my buck. Yeah. Cabernet Sauvignon. And yeah, I, Tony always treats me with a lot of good bottles, so I get spoiled <laughs> now. So yeah, you're ruined. Yeah, I'm like done. It's like every time when he's coming, I'm like, Tony, bring me, bring some good <laughs> bottles, and he, of course he does. I'm really impressed with his uh, Patria wines that he makes. I really love. That's like I recently tasted his Chardonnay and it was really impressive. Um, there was Caliza. Syrah that I tasted was really good. I'm trying to think all the. That does become an occupational hazard when you're in the wine business. You're like, Arr. it's like, oh, how many bottles? I, I know. <laughs> it's like, let me think about it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good wines. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You are that lucky Bosnian. I am. Yeah, for sure. So, um, <clears throat> thank you so much for coming in, Samra. Really Thank you for it. having me. I appreciate it. This is super awesome. Tell everybody how they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing at Almarosa. Yes, yeah, so we are situated in Santa Rita Hills, beautiful Santa Barbara County. We are 40 minutes away drive from Santa Barbara. As I mentioned, we have a tasting room downtown Solvain. It's a brand new building. It's a beautiful outside patio as well as inside. We also have our uh, private tastings on our estate in Bilton on our uh, 600 acres. And uh, they can find us on uh, almarosawinery.com if they would love just to look a little bit more about myself, our winery, our wines. Uh, I have to say we also make uh, two different trousses. We make sparkling wine. We make a little bit of Pinot Gris and Pinot Blanc. So, yeah, it's very exciting. And I hope people who listen uh, to your podcast will go and visit. Y'all will. They know I don't fuck around. I bring them the good <laughs> shit. Um, everybody, thanks again so much for coming in. Make sure you uh, check out the show notes for each show. We'll have the social media links. We'll have the website. Um, and you can go make sure you check out uh, Samra and Amarosa. And until the next time, cheers to my Mavericks, my philosophers, my deep thinkers, and, of course, all you wine drinkers. Peace. You have to learn Bosnian word. What? Jivale. Jivale. Good. Oh. Cheers. <laughs> Jivale. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.